This podcast was recorded and produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Hi, this is Amar Rahman. We're three weeks away from the uh, Australian 2016 election. Uh, a lot of the coverage has probably been pretty boring. So to spice things up a little bit, we decided to do a three-part podcast with all kinds of different people to bring you new ideas and new analysis about all the things you've been hearing about. Okay, so, so far this election, we've seen Peter Dutton say refugees are simultaneously stealing our jobs and languishing on welfare. Malcolm Turnbull said he's a feminist. There's been a poten potential bribery scandal around turtles, and now all major campaigns have been paused by floods. Our guests today are Nayuka Gari, a Gunai Kurnai, Gunajamara Wiradjuri, and Yorta Yorta activist, Heath Pickering, deputy editor of Election Watch Melbourne University, and Johnny Blackerley, who's a freelance journalist who's worked with Al Jazeera, BBC, and the ABC. So guys, Welcome to yet another vanilla Australian election. What's going on? Thanks. Yeah, well, uh, it's, <laughs> it's been a bit dry. It's, it's Are you taking dry. responsibility I for it being vanilla? You're just like, yeah. I am just like the least token vanilla. white guy on the, uh, you know. Oh, well. Um, it's been a pretty boring election, hasn't it? I mean, it's eight weeks long and, you know, we're more than halfway there, but geez, is it going to come to an end? Just to give you some poll numbers, uh, on just the preferred PM poll has Turnbull at 45% and Shorten at 30%. So even the winning preferred Prime Minister has less than 50% approval from the Australian population. So, like, what, just off the top of your heads, what are the main reasons you think for like, people's just total lack of engagement with the, with the election? Well, I mean, I guess I don't think that, like, Turnbull's kind of lived up to the excitement that he brought in, like, when he got elected. You know, when he Were people excited? Yeah, well, in September, when he took over the leadership, there was a real excitement. Like, I have lots of friends who are not Liberal Party supporters who were posting, sharing, you know, actually expressing, like, a sense of relief that Abbott was gone, a relief that things were going to be, you know, like, a bit different, a bit better, expressing hope for same-sex marriage, expressing hope for the environment, policy getting better. And since September, we haven't really seen him act on those things. We've seen him have to, like, you know, somewhat pander to the right wing of his party on the Safe Schools Coalition, stuff like that. So I think a lot of folk who had, like, good, you know, genuine excitement for Malcolm Turnbull haven't really met that. And at the same time, I don't think I'm yet to meet someone who's excited about Bill Shorten either, really. It is, like, it is interesting, though. We, we are, I think Australians are really, like, just super chill about everything. Um, to the point where it's like, what, what will be, what will it take for us to actually get a bit pissed off or mm. have some skin in the game? Because like, yeah, these dudes are boring. It's funny as well because in Europe, uh, you know, a lot of the countries there have four or five parties, but it's really something new in Australia. It's always been the two major parties in America. It's the two major parties, but in Europe, they have a lot of parties, and Australians are not overly familiar with having sort of a, a third. Uh, so that's the other thing about the Greens, they're an established party now. They're, sure, they're minor, but they're not sort of that fringe party. Mm. They, because they've been around such a long time, they're established. And there's a big difference between being a minor party and what I call an established party. Um, you know, you've got Clive Palmer, uh, he came in uh, as a minor party, the ex tried the experiment, it kind of fell apart um, dramatically. But it's not going to happen with the Greens. They're going to either continue as is, or they're likely to increase their participation, um, you know, for the future. Uh, so it's up to future prime ministers to negotiate with um, other parties, uh, and that's something that Australia hasn't been used to uh, historically. Whereas in Europe, uh, having so many parties, they have to form coalitions. 
um, and they have to neg negotiate. So. Well, I mean, both parties are hesitant to even negotiate with the Greens, right? Like, That's, like yeah. if they do, it's, it's the last thing they want to admit to. It's something they both use against each other. Um, so, I mean, even, uh, even now we're looking at possibly some kind of Labour-Greens Coalition. Also, the other idea is also like Xenophon's quite likely to pick up a couple of seats, yeah. at least four or five in the Senate in South Australia and maybe one or two lower house seats. So, you know, the prospect of Xenophon holding that balance of power is also strong. So it's not just a Greens phenomenon. Mm. It's a phenomenon of voters turning away from the two major parties. So some votes for the Greens, some votes for Xenophon. Pauline Hanson's looking like she's going to get back in in Queensland. Are you serious? Come so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 4.5%. Oh, yeah, she's doing, yeah. she's what doing the fuck, crazy Queensland? What the fuck? <laughs> Jackie oh, Lambie, yeah, 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 she, but she's, she's likely to get her seat too. And if she performs really well, she could get two Senate seats as well. Yeah, she's going to battle with the bigots. What is Jackie Lambie performing well? People like my mum, who's actually, you know, very intelligent and like switched on, but they appreciate how real she is. She, you know, she just says what she's thinking. And like, I'm like, that's not a good thing. She needs a filter. Um, People, I think because people are so bored of like yeah. people like Turnbull and whatever, when we have like the wackos like Palmer or Lambie, we're like, oh, these are real people just saying what we all think. This is yeah. the Trump effect. Yeah, yeah, the, essentially. Yeah. People want someone who's going to say, yeah, even if it's like the really, yeah. And I think Xenophon kind of taps into that in some ways as well. Like yeah. even though he's a polished, sharpshooting politician, he still manages to kind of come across as this, as the outsider. this goofy, wacky outsider guy, yeah. And, well, and this is also, this is a weird thing in the States where they've basically, the polls show that there's a group of people who'd be willing to vote for Trump or Sanders. Mm. But just, just the fact that they're outside <laughs> of the establishment and they're outside of that, you know, the same boring sort of middle ground is enough for people to, to swing their way. Yeah, I got really frustrated as a, um, a friend of mine who's American and, and she was saying, you know, she was a supporter of Bernie and now Bernie's not going to win. She's like, oh, I'm not going to vote at all. And I was like, man, you're not going to vote? Like, you're not going to go and vote? You know, you might not like Hillary, but just to stop Trump. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah. like it's like whoever versus the apocalypse. Like now might be the one time that you put aside your your, your no voting policy. Um, anyone watch the leaders' debate? Or <laughs> hey, how about that leaders' debate? I'm so, so that, glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was unfortunate. Yeah, it's like a long time of my life. It's gone. Yeah, you'll never get it back. Ever. Yeah, and I didn't watch it. They've still got the worm. Um, no, no. Was it, is the no, worm no, like no, copyrighted by ABC? That was Q&A, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there was no worm well, on this debate. But. Yeah. Nah. I'm sorry, what's the worm? <laughs> the oh, the worm summer. is the chart. The worm well, is the approved chart. they have it on Facebook now, right? Like uh, this new... Yeah, the, yeah. Gotcha. I thought it was really funny. Temple came out and said, like, I want the third debate to be innovative. I want it to be 2016, let's do it on Facebook. It's let's like use a 12-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. social media platform to talk to the kids. Yeah, yeah, real 2016, like, you know. Yeah. Classic Turnbull. Classic Turnbull with his leather jacket. Okay, well, how, about, how, how about this? So, so, so Sanders is such a phenomenon in the States that people are getting Bernie tats. Who is the Australian politician most likely to inspire bad tattoos on, on young people? Oh, wow. Who get a tattoo? If you had to get a tattoo of an Australian politician right now, who would it be? I, I, I'm, I don't know if anyone saw, but you know, like this election for the first time, candidates have to put a logo on their, you know, on the ballot paper. There's going to be logos, like Greens logo. Like the party logo. Yeah, yeah. party logo, yeah. And um, the motor, motoring party, oh, yeah. enthusiast party, their logo is just Ricky Muir's face. Wow. And it's pretty cool. It's like a graphic, you know, it look, it's a really well done graphic cool, as well. Huh? It's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it's got glasses. Like it's got already in your back, Jeremy. No, 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 but it, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good logo. It's a good logo. So, so Richard Muir. No, but also because it's such a, a phenomenon that's not going to last. You guys? 
Is Cadis still around? I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, he's is around. Is Cadis still around? Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah, fact yeah. check. He's going to get his seat back. Yeah. So there's an LNP candidate running against him who's uh, openly gay. And if we know Bob Carter, he's quite homophobic in some of the rhetoric he said. So that'll be an interesting contest as well. Uh, but I wouldn't get a, a tattoo of him, no. <laughs> but that's it. Bob Carter's your pick? Or you're no, just asking if I he's going to this? Visually, it would look it, interesting. <laughs> yeah, with the hat. Yeah, he wears the hat. That could work, for sure. Um, yeah, I can't think of anyone, actually. But no yeah, one's committing to a tattoo. Would you commit to a tattoo? Definitely not. <laughs> I was asking you guys. Maybe that <laughs> Anthony Albanese picture oh, of him. Albert? When he, when he was, you know, younger. Um, uh, have you seen that one yeah. floating around the internet? Yeah. yeah. So it's strapping <laughs> young Anthony Albanese. <laughs> yeah. Placement? Hot elbow. Sleeve? Shin? Elbow. Chest? Uh, other. Heart. I wonder why. What are you not disclosing? Uh, <laughs> you remember remember the <laughs> In a pretty bland election, unfortunately, like one of the highlights has been Peter Dutton's comments, which were pretty phenomenal. Um, you guys will know that in, in that interview with uh, Paul Murray on Sky, he said asylum seekers will be stealing Australian jobs, they're illiterate and enumerate, and they'll also be, they'll also be on welfare. And I think, before you talk about Peter Dutton, you've got to go through Peter Dutton's greatest hits. So um, <laughs> there was a time when he didn't realise the mics were still on, and uh. he was joking about uh, Pacific Islands basically sinking under sea level. LOL! LOLs. Uh, he texted uh, Mad Fucking Witch about a journalist <laughs> to that journalist. <laughs> by accident. Uh, yeah, by recently, accident, yeah. like that demonic picture of him went viral. Oh yeah, that was good, yeah. It went up and then his staff, like, three of his staff, like, tried to harass the journalist who tweeted to take it down, which she did, but then she tweeted about the fact that she'd been forced to take it down, so it went, it went viral. Um, what else? He walked out of Kevin Rudd's uh, apology to the Stolen did Generation? You, I yeah. did not know that. Because it takes a special guy to turn up and then walk out, right? <laughs> like, just not rock up. Yeah, just don't come. Just don't come to the party. Uh, but I think when you know that Peter Dutton was a Queensland cop, it all makes sense. <laughs> Holy oh, shit! There's always someone who doesn't know. I didn't know. That makes Queensland so copper. Yes. Yeah. Except he would have been like a desk police officer. <laughs> like he would. He did no time on he did, the he, he, No time on the beat. Right. <laughs> So, and, and now he's disappeared. Lee Zachariah did a great piece for Vice where he actually went to Dutton's electoral office and tried to track him down and they basically gave him the runaround and he ended up putting like lost posters <laughs> in front of his election office. He's totally like, he kind of had his big bang and has like totally disappeared. Yeah, I mean, it kind of like also speaks to the rift in the Liberal Party between, you know, that kind of far, further right support base that was Tony Abbott's support base and Turnbull now, you know, and Dutton is one of those folks, you know, when Turnbull came in, a lot of people got the axe, Kevin Andrews, um, uh, Erica Betts, you know, a lot of those kind of conservative people yeah. got cut, but Dutton didn't, Dutton kept his job. Um, I guess there was maybe some kind of expectation that he would kind of then pull in line with the kind of more centrist Turnbull, you know, way of thinking about things. And obviously, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't. He did whatever, um, well, I mean, I think people don't realize how senior Dutton is in the right, you know, mm. like people like Philip Ruddock and stuff have moved on. Mm. Dutton actually holds a lot of sway in that far right. Yeah. To, to even think of like the Liberal Party in terms of like progressive and not progressive <laughs> is ridiculous, but yeah. Yeah, 
and they're kind of at opposite ends. Yeah, and it also speaks to like the fact that because the Labor Party last year adopted lots of the Liberal Party's policies on refugees, you know, accepting boat turnbacks, accepting offshore detention. That was that and pretty so much then, is the Labor Party's policy. Yeah, is the Liberal Party's latest policy. But then, like, because ALP have tried to avoid being wedged on this issue, they've yeah. tried to stick like step in foot with the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party need to think of new ways to kind of make the ALP seem soft. Yeah, and I guess you know that just means going further and further in that direction. Yeah, right? and 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 the thing about something. Well, I mean, first of all, no one challenged it really. I mean, Turnbull came out and backed Dutton. I think Shorten said that it was inappropriate, the comments. Yeah, yeah. from the Labour Party. Yeah. I think he said it was Hansonite or, or yeah. something like that. I think that. Turnbull's comment was pretty generic. He said, oh, Peter Dutton is a good immigration He's minister. Outstanding, an outstanding uh, immigration there you minister. Go. But didn't really yeah, speak to the substance of no, what he actually said. Um, well, I mean, I guess, Johnny, you were saying that, that basically both the parties have kind of tried to one-up each other on how, how tough they are on borders. And now it's come, I mean, 15 years ago, Howard's comments were kind of coded, right? Like, mm. we decide who comes to this country. And now it's just... Straight up. Fuck off for a fool, basically. Like, that, that was it. Like, bang, peace out, mic drop. <laughs> Peter Dutton's done for the campaign. I mean, this is kind of... This is so depressing that it's basically... You know, they've basically edged each other forward to the point where now, you know, it's just come down to this South Park level kind of fear-mongering. Like, a lot of people feel like that, though. Like, we live here probably, you know, within a five-kilometre radius of the city, drinking coffee, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there are a lot of people, like, out there yeah. um, th that share those fucked-up views. Like, that's, that's a reality. So, although we were pissed off and we're like, oh, that's, like, really stupid politically to say something like that, there are probably a lot of people out there who are like, oh, he's just saying what I feel. Yeah, um, yeah so... It's like, it was really dumb, but also, like, how painful, how, how did it actually really hurt him? No, it's not, no, it's it's not, not a mistake. Yeah, it's not yeah. a mistake. Like, nothing these guys do is a mistake. Like, they've clearly done a lot of polling and won a lot of elections on the same kind of thing where they know, like, it, racism and yeah. economic anxiety <laughs> are just themselves. like that winning, winning cocktail. Yeah, and if there's one thing that polling has consistently shown over the last decade, it is consistently high levels of support for not letting asylum seekers on boats enter Australia. And that's, the polling is always showing that. That hasn't changed. Well, like, they're all white as well. I think mm. that, like, well, not all of them. Um, Close to. I've done the stats on this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Run the numbers. What is it? Yeah, so, so the number of Asian Australians in Australia, it, there's a bit of um, discrepancy in the stats, but it's upwards of 10%, close to 12 13%, quite likely. Um, we don't have really, really accurate data on that. but. And the number of... We've uh, been swamped. Yeah, we've been swamped. Pauline's 96 speakers to be trusted. We've been swamped. Yeah, and the number of Asian Australians in federal parliament is uh, at less than 2%. So there's this huge discrepancy. Um, there are, they, they don't run people of diverse backgrounds. Um, it's Indigenous Australians as well. There's a really low number. And then those who are there, there's kind of this quick turnaround of burnout after receiving like tons of abuse like Nova Paris did. Um, yeah, so we don't have a diverse parliament. Our parliament doesn't represent the way Australia looks in the 21st century. Politics in the wild <gasps> with Madison. Hey, it's Madison from Vice Melbourne. We're on a party bus trying to find out what it is that makes female voters tick. And nothing says girls' night quite like a camera crew crashing your hen's party to talk to you about politics. Do you care about anything this election? Yes, it's on my 
my wedding day. <laughs> no, that's the worst. Do you know who you're going to vote for? Um, yes, I'm going to say Liberal Party. Fuck no. Okay. Whoever my brothers tell me to vote for. Who did he tell you last time? No idea. What issues do you care about? Same-sex marriage should be legal and that's pretty much it. Same-sex marriage? Um, I'm all for it really. Bill Shorten, hot or not? Nice. Million Dollar Man, Million Dollar Malcolm. Okay, so we're going to look at some of the big stories that uh, popped up on social media. You guys, I'm sure, heard of uh, Turtlegate, George Christensen from Mackay. You haven't heard this? I missed this, no. Okay, so George, you know George Christensen from Mackay. Yeah. Uh, put up on his Facebook a photo of him uh, at a turtle sanctuary uh, and then generously said that he was going to donate, I think, $12,000 personally to the turtle sanctuary if he won. Oh, like holding the turtles at ransom? <laughs> yeah. So GetUp referred him to the Australian Electoral Commission. For bribery? For, uh, f to be investigated for bribery. And then the Australian Electoral Commission has referred it to the Australian Federal Police. So that escalated quickly. <laughs> I, I would also love it, right, if after everything George Christensen said in Parliament, like homophobic, racist, sexist, if he lost his election, over he turtles. lost his seat over turtles. Like, yeah, that would just again, let's just go through George Christensen's greatest hits. Uh, when when uh, Turnbull announced resettling refugees from Syria, he said none of them. They didn't want any of them in Mackay. Zero refugees in Mackay. And he got that promise, didn't he? I'm pretty sure that, that he got promised there would be zero I think George Mackay. gets whatever he wants. Like Mackay is this fucking really cool place. It's a shithole. Everyone Sorry. from Syria is like, please, please send us to Mackay. Uh, he hosted, a, not just like attended, hosted a Reclaim Australia rally uh, in his electorate. Uh, and LGBT youth uh, recently did a piece with BuzzFeed basically talking about how unsafe they feel and how many of them are committing suicide uh, in Mackay. And uh, George Christensen has also disappeared. There's all these, all these major mic drops from, uh, you know, <laughs> coalition MPs and then they totally, totally yeah. disappeared. Bernardi has not disappeared for the record. No. He's, he's big in this campaign. He's but he hasn't, his, he, his hasn't, presence felt. he hasn't made, he hasn't dropped his major. Yeah, so he's done. hasn't done his major performance. He's been yeah. putting out all these social media tweets of like the Greens policies, and with like it says <laughs> yeah. you know, like the Greens support, you know, like you know taxing multinationals, and all my friends who are Green supporters are sharing it, being like, yeah, we do. Thanks, Bernardi. Like, <laughs> correct. Thanks for making memes correct. for us. Yeah. Christensen's defense for like why it wasn't bribery was that he said there has to be a material benefit if you bribe someone, and the only people benefiting here are the turtles, and turtles don't vote. Yeah. <laughs> yet. Cool story, bro. <laughs> that's really, like, that's actually really fucked up. Just give, just give the money anyway. Give the money, like, if you love the turtles, love give it. money to the turtles. Well, that's the thing, like, basically all the politicians do for this whole period is give out money. Like, like that's exactly, yeah, just splashing, the, like, they are just None driving, of them make the idiotic like, mistake of saying they'll personally give the money out of their own pocket. It's a, but it's all, yeah. they don't go to schools and be, like, waving a hundred dollar bill, be like, if I win, <laughs> you know, like. And I think the other thing, so the other thing, Chris said so he was he was being interviewed on radio, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't do a big song and dance about it, bro. You put it on Facebook. Like you put it on like the biggest like real time communication platform you have." And then he listed like all the other money he gives away to other people. But yeah, so that's yet to be decided. Um, did you guys see Greg Hunt tweeting Ellen DeGeneres? I did not. What? Did any of you know about this? Craig David, fill me in. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, 
Get Up ran a campaign to get Ellen DeGeneres to do a call out, um, you know, asking, you know, r raising awareness about the Great Barrier Reef being destroyed um, because the Finding Nemo sequel's coming out. Her character Dory lives in the Great Barrier Reef. Great. Which is Ellen play Dory? Ellen voices Dory, yeah. There you go. We're learning all kinds of things today. So um, anyway, so Ellen, Ellen does a big shout out to the Great Barrier Reef, whatever, and then Greg Hunt just bombards her with like, the Australian government is saving the Great Barrier Reef and we're doing everything we can and we invite you to come here. But it just kind of came off like a creepy men's rights activist <laughs> harassing a woman on Twitter. And it, yeah, yeah, like a real hardcore men meninist behavior. Back. No, Ellen didn't say anything back. She, she wished, took the high road. She didn't no, engage. She, but she's been on Twitter. Like she, she wished Kanye a happy birthday, and <laughs> she's been around. Like she's, she's seen her mentions, and she just, she totally ignored it. Did she call Johnny Depp and say, "Hey, yeah. you've got friends, <laughs> in the, oh, conservative friends in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've suffered the same kind of ridiculous right? social media harassment." Yeah, the U.S. celebrity anti-Australian government brigade. Amazing. Uh, another hashtag that trended was Malcolm was so poor after the YouTube campaign he put out. Did you guys see this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, so basically, it was yeah. A video about Malcolm growing up with his dad? As like, a battler, as a hard fighting, you know, things were tough. And yeah, someone did a calculating and so and worked out that in, in real term dollars today, he inherited eight million. So Which is pretty tough if you're if you're expecting twenty. Okay, so that's that's hard. It's um, tough. Yeah, he went to Oxford. I mean it's struggle street, you know. It's not easy being just, a well educated white middle class male. Middle class, like that's that's not middle. Oh, yeah, that's like, like, like okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's bad, but like a lot of people had to say yes to this idea. Like, yeah, Malcolm didn't just go make it at home. Like a lot of people had to be like, yeah, that's really gonna cut through the noise. Like, how does something like this even get made? I just, I don't think they know actually what being poor is. I just, he inherited money from his dad, who was a property broker. Yeah. Okay, but like actually growing up though, do it? Can we? Can we verify if he was He went poor to one of up? Sydney's most elite private schools. Let's get his Commonwealth Bank dollar mine account details. <laughs> <laughs> Another huge announcement this election was uh, Malcolm, Malcolm not only having grown up poor, but now declaring himself a feminist. Where to begin? So, so Bill, Shorten's, Bill Shorten's gaffe about childcare, uh, where he said men in Australia rely on the women in Australia to do the childcare and to organise the childcare. Which is, is one, of, one of Bill Shorten's better sentences. <laughs> um, so he got trashed. I, I'm not a Bill Shorten fan, but I think he was trying to say, this is the reality, yeah, the burden, equal, burden yeah. of childcare falls on. But whatever, I don't care. Trash Bill Shorten. Um, and then Malcolm Singh in opening came out and declared himself a feminist. Thoughts? My brother. <laughs> My brother in the struggle. My poor white brother. <laughs> the mo I, think, I think my favourite response to this was that, because it was the same week that the, the Malcolm So Poor stuff was happening, and Van Badham just like quoted this tweet, um, which was a quote from Malcolm's principal in high school, being like, yeah, Malcolm really had a problem with women growing up. What? Like, whose principal says something like that? I don't know. How is like, this principal still alive? Is this... Oh, yeah, good point. But anyway, Sydney Morning Herald tracked down his principal. How bad do you have to be for your principal to make a note that you have? Wow. Oh, it's like through the through the files, not just like some 150-year-old old dude coming out. <laughs> we okay. thought they were like live on his door, so I remember he had a problem with women. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It was a Sydney Morning Herald article. It wasn't that old. But. No. he. I don't think he knows what feminism is. And if it is, if he, 
he might have feminist ideals. It's not put aside whether or not men can actually be feminist or whatever, but if they can be supportive. But if he was a feminist, his feminism isn't for black women, it isn't for queer women, it isn't for trans women, poor women, people with disabilities. It's for rich people like him. The shit he would care about is getting more women in boardrooms. Yes, that matters, but what about, what about the rest of us? So I think like, there is, it is possible that he might actually be into feminism, but it's not feminism that's intersectional or that cares about real people. Speaking of women, um, <laughs> there's some in this election, am I right, guys? Heath, tell us how many women there are. Johnny, tell us how many have no hope of winning their seat. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, the big news in America, at least, is... He knows. <laughs> Hillary Clinton uh, has secured, effectively, the Democrat Democratic nomination, so she could be the first uh, woman president, which is fantastic news uh, for diversity out there. Uh, and uh, uh, really? Sorry. Yeah. I, I, well, what's wrong? Finish your sentence think, yeah, before yeah. you are burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's not many uh, female politicians uh, in the in the Liberal Party, uh, regrettably. Uh, but yeah, Labor. Basically, the Labor and Coalition. Where they differ is Labor supports a quota-based system to uh, help women get into politics, and the Liberals say, "Oh, just it's it's a merit-based system, yeah. sort of you're on, you're on your own type thing." But the system is, is you'll not, get in if you're good enough. The system is not designed to help women. It's it's really combative uh, against women. Uh, it's it's not easy. So you really need a quota system to encourage women or to get women into into politics. It's been really interesting to watch um, what's been happening to Nova. I think is. She is the re she's a really good example of why, probably why women don't go into politics more. I, yes, parties make it hard, but I think also the public make it hard too. Um, so there's that. Um, but also, so she's been receiving a lot of racism and a lot of um, gendered abuse as well. So it's been, it's been really interesting and it must be really painful for her. I don't agree with a lot of her stuff. Some stuff she believes in is pretty shit, but... It's, it's a really good example of how hard it is. Like, even earlier on in her term, the, what, what happened with that other athlete, like, that... I don't know if that happens as much to dudes or... I don't know. It felt it definitely, gendered. definitely doesn't. Definitely. Yeah. Just... Yeah. yeah, it's this interesting thing where, like, does women in politics lead... Like, you know, we had Julia Gillard, of course, which is, like, a big moment for Australian feminism, but, like, the amount of abuse that she received, the amount the media focused on her looks, she what she was wearing. She couldn't call herself a feminist. But she actually couldn't yeah. say it. Like, when she, whenever she was put on the spot, like, she had to kind of... I believe in dance equality, around it. Yeah. 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 And and here comes Malcolm with, hey, did you know, guys? Yeah, isn't that... That's a really interesting privilege, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. easier for men to say they're a feminist, but it's harder for women to say that if they're in politics. Ah. Politics in the wild. <gasps> with Madison. We're with Norm, who is the uh, party bus driver. Hey, Norm. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Do you trust politicians? No, unfortunately, I don't. No, we want to have someone with a bit of balls, excuse me. Do you think either of the leaders have uh, balls? Only little ones. Uh, so we've got Bill Shorten. Small balls. Malcolm Turnbull. Just a little bit bigger. Justin Trudeau. Big. Tony Abbott. He's always in the water. Are you talking about shrinkage, Norm? That's it. Small balls. 
Basically, both parties have been pretty much silent on Indigenous affairs this election. No major announcements, no major policy, no nothing. Uh, but just in the last week, uh, former senior Indigenous public servant Pat Turner came out and called for uh, a federal Indigenous affairs department to be re-established and headed by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander staff, just for, a, cha idea, just yeah. for a change. And uh, we also had the Redford announcement yesterday, which was Indigenous peak bodies and organisations uh, releasing a statement outlining you know, a call for government action on Indigenous affairs, including health justice and education. They also want a reinstatement of the National Congress of Australians for Australia's First People, which uh, the current Indigenous Affairs Minister, Nigel Scullion, said was unrepresentative. The white Indigenous <laughs> Affairs Minister, only one in a long line of white Indigenous Affairs Ministers, said it was unrepresentative. The irony. There was one other announcement, uh, kind of flew under the radar, but um, Turnbull, I think, yeah, Turnbull basically committing to um, a referendum for constitutional recognition next year. Um, he kind of went about it in a weird way, but yeah, yeah it sounded like a commitment, um, which is pretty firm. The firmest they've been in quite some time about it. Um, yeah, no, we were talking about this. Um, seems like whenever there is bipartisan support in our federal politics, it's a really bad thing for those people, whether it's refugees and asylum seekers or black people. Um, it's really dangerous, actually. And yeah, they've been really quiet. No one, we're only 3% of the population, so no one wants to fight for us. Um, there are not really any votes, I think, in black stuff. And they're so afraid of probably fucking it up, which they would do anyway. I'm really cynical at the moment, clearly. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think, like, anytime you see anything that's bipartisan, bipartisan is code it's for we news. don't care. It's code for we don't care. Like, asylum seekers, bipartisan, you know? Like, yeah. um, you know, indigenous rights, bipartisan. You yeah. know? Like, it's code for we don't care. And, and, and very bad things will happen very quickly without debate. Like, when, yeah. when, when the intervention got pushed through, that was both parties deciding to suspend the Racial Discrimination Act, basically overnight, rush through, like, basically, like, you know, social apartheid and and there was basically nothing anyone could do it's it's kind of this golden handshake I'm like all right let's just work together and get this get this done yeah and it's interesting to see like because we are having at least the alp push for more indigenous politicians in parliament you know like pat dodson's just come in they're running another candidate in sydney in quite a winnable seat um <laughs> and it's interesting it's interesting in that respect that like that having indigenous candidates for whatever reason hasn't translated to indigenous issues being placed front and centre on the political agenda. Right. And it's interesting that yeah. even though those candidates might push for that to happen, it hasn't happened. This is the most we've been represented in federal politics, which is really interesting because, yeah, not much is actually happening. Um, I don't... It's... It's just... I think as an issue, like, Indigenous issues are just... No one's... No one's really got it right since, like, before Howard. It's just been a perpetual fuck-up. No one's, yeah, no one's really nailed it. Um, and you can imagine how much pressure, even if an Aboriginal candidate is successful, how much pressure there is, in, is within the party to keep their head down and stay under the radar and not, yeah. not, not make a fuss. Yeah. Yeah. But then also, like, it's, it'd be really hard because on one hand, you want to, like, represent mob and represent your people and stuff, but on the other hand, like, there are other things you probably care about too. So it's like, imagine being like Ken Wyatt and like 
the meetings when he's in there and anything black comes up and all of the white people are just like, what do you think, Ken? You're on board with this, right? <laughs> You're cool with this, right, Ken? Yeah, just be, yeah, it's hard because you, like, Ken's actually a really good example. He's got a big background in education and has done a whole bunch of other stuff, but I bet, yeah, there would be people who expect him to be, like, the black dude. Yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah, Indigenous issues is really low on voters' agenda. Yeah. So I'm working on uh, Vote Compass as well, which is Australia's sort of largest survey of uh, <laughs> voters' uh, thoughts on the election. And out of 20 issues canvassed, Indigenous Affairs was 18th uh, least. Um, what was work? Like, what was lower? Like, well, so interesting. Yeah, who did we beat? <laughs> yeah. you, who did we beat? Who Interestingly, you beat uh, industrial action. So, so, and that's the that's very. That's really interesting. That's, as well, though. that's the very reason why we're having a double dissolution election. Yeah. But nobody knows, you know, if if you go on the street and ask people what's the A Triple C, they're like, what is that? The A B the A C C what? A B C what? The A C C who? Um, that's the legislation um, that um, couldn't get passed in the Senate, which gave Turnbull the trigger to have this double dissolution election and uh, yeah, re redo this, an entire Senate, entire lower house. Um, so it's weird. Yeah, I mean they're playing it's the same. They're playing the same game of like having a major symbolic mm. something on the horizon, which a lot of Aboriginal people don't even want. Um, and meanwhile, no kind of getting away with no one really challenging any kind of any kind of policy. I mean, you know, and even while Kevin Rudd did. We've like been, and it's not as though there's a vacuum either. There are so many black people, like we know what we need and we know what we want and we tell the government all the time what we need and want, but so we've got the answers, we're just not being listened to. Like for example, people are pushing for a justice target in the closing the gap policy, which is like makes so much sense when you start measuring something and our imprisonment rates have only grown. Um, like, we've got these solutions, but aren't being listened to. So it's, yeah, there's just no political will there. I think even to a lot of progressive or forward-thinking Australians, like, constitutional recognition is, is the way to go. Like, that's, that's like the next big landmark after the, after the Stolen Generation's uh, apology. Which, you know, again, while that was happening, Labor had conceded to, like, horrific, horrific stuff with the, with the, with the intervention. So, yeah, like, what do you... What do you see in terms of, do you see it as inevitable? Like it's going to happen whether Aboriginal people want it or not? Like they will push it through? Yeah, I think, because once again, it's one of those things that has bipartisan support. Um, and it's seen as an, it's a, it's a win, I think, um, for, for politicians. Um, at this stage, I kind of do feel like it might be inevitable, um, which is kind of shitty actually, because like it, of all the things in the world you could do for black people, like that is so far down on the list. It is absolutely meaningless. We are talking about the NBN. He's figuring 200 words or less make this relevant to us. <laughs> well, there's, there's a couple of issues. First of all, we're a massive country, so we have to roll out literally five, you know, fibre cables to every little home throughout the entire continent. Uh, so it's do tricky. We, do we not have fast, like... We don't. We if you don't. look statistically compared to other countries okay. in Europe, elsewhere, we're really slow. We're really slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. I, could be, yeah, no. I could be pirating stuff much faster, yeah. comparatively. I always thought that the internet was a sort of inner city, you know, young person's issue. 
But yeah, country folk are really interested in the topic. Uh, so I'm really surprised that the coalition are not getting on board and implementing uh, you know, a, a high speed, uh, really high quality internet. It's sort of going for the cheaper version, um, which is... It's kind of like gone off the radar though. It was like a big deal politically um, a few years ago and then it's just kind of like fizzled. What's interesting is like, the NBN is a, is a private, is a government linked company, mm. but it's, it's a company. So this is like in the age of everything being privatised, of every government asset being sold off, this was Kevin Rudd's kind of big you know, return to Keynesianism. It was putting in mm. like a government company that was going to do this job. Um, and then obviously it hasn't, for whatever reason, hasn't quite done the job as efficiently and within the cost that it was meant to. Another interesting point is that it's been slow to roll out and there's been cost overruns. But this was uh, Malcolm Turnbull's portfolio. He was the <laughs> communications minister just a few years ago. He's so the Facebook debate guy. Why, <laughs> I mean, why isn't it? Hashtag 2016. <laughs> this is hashtag 2004. <laughs> if, you, if you can't deliver the internet, you know, what can you deliver for Australia? Politics in the wild with Madison. Hey, so we're at European Beer Cafe. One to ten, how much do you care about politics? Look, I'm gonna go in mid four. One to ten, how much do you care about sex? Ten. Ten. Yeah. You're Prime Minister. You've just been voted in. Like, you just found out. This is amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. You have to do something. What's the first thing that you do? Make traffic better. Traffic is horrible. Alcohol prices would come down, espresso martinis, five dollars each. I help the poor. At this age, with what I earn, I can't buy a house. If you interview me when I'm sober, I actually have good opinions. So. You have good opinions now, this is great. <laughs> Politics can be fun, kids. It can be fun. We've left the hens at European Beer Cafe. Uh, I think we're gonna call it a night. I am not drunk enough to keep going. They had a lot stronger opinions than I think they would admit at the start of the night. But I feel like the most important thing we learned was politicians have got to have big balls. They've got to have big balls. So this is a segment called You Fix It, where we put questions out to whoever's listening about policies and what they would do to, to get things fixed. Uh, because it was the first episode I just put it on my Facebook, I said this is a super vanilla election, what could we do to make it more engaging or more fun? Uh, do, these are people on my own Facebook with like weird, like, <laughs> like I don't know who they are. D Light said, do you have magic? Magic can fix anything. John Rahim said, get Marxists to write the teletext for their addresses to the public. Uh, he also said, begin and end uh, all speeches with a salam alaikum. Uh, Jay Ampersand said, give voluntary Senate votes to any, anyone currently in a country that's ever been invaded by Australia. Paul Ryan said, turn the election into a reenactment of the 60s film Wild in the Streets. No idea who gets to be Christopher Jones and Shelley, Wright. Shelley Winters' characters, though. I'm too young for this. I, I only no read that out because I, like, I, I don't know any of the references in that. I, I have no idea what that means, but people liked it. So I see like, it's, it's a relevant comment. And Abunada did say, say my favorite one. He said MMA fights, and then he's put like an entire like fight listing. He goes, uh, <laughs> First card, Hanson Young versus Lambie, with the main bout being Albanese versus Pine. The next card would be Macklin versus Milne, Morrison versus Burke, Joyce versus Conroy, Brandis versus Carr, and then the title bout, Shorten versus Turnbull. I love how they've spent like at least an hour a or long two time. Time. <laughs> So now I'm supposed to throw you guys and give you, get your solutions in one sentence on how to make an election more interesting, at least more interesting, if not more engaging. 
I got it. So they do oh. press conferences all the time, like every day, a couple of press conferences, always talking to the media. What they need to do, they need to do, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, vote for Labor, vote for the Liberals, vote for Greens, and the leaders need to go drop mics at the end of every press conference. Are you cheapening a mic drop by doing yeah, it all yeah, the time? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really brings Obama's thing down a peg, yeah. doesn't it? Like <laughs> You're vanillifying the mic for next, <laughs> next. Next, Johnny. Well, I don't know. I think we're just stuck in this circle where, like, everyone's so concerned about PR and scripted lines that just, like, no one can be genuine. And, yeah, I don't know. I found Engagement is an unwinnable seat. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Next. Um, I don't know. Just... Anything at this stage... I think honesty would actually be... Honesty would be good. Just once. That's yeah. all you're asking for even, not, not even consistently. Even like one day, like one day like The Purge or whatever, I haven't seen that movie or whatever, but you know, one You've day... You've seen of, the trailer, no one's seen it, we've all seen the trailer. <laughs> one day of honesty would be really good. Um, I also commented, I said more dancing would be good. Um, Have you seen Bill Shorten? Do you yeah. see Bill Shorten dancing when he was visiting like... Um, oh, Kiribati. Kiribati. No. Like, it was not a good clip, it he was, was not wanting to do that again. Like. So like a Bring It On style. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, more break... No, not break dancing, but then like... It is vanilla, and white people are shitty dancers. Yes, offence. So it would still be vanilla, but it'd be fun. It might be entertaining. Yeah. What's your one? Well, I just read all the ones from my. <laughs> there I, are the people. I mean, yours. My, my favourite one was get Amr Rahman to host the podcast. Thanks for listening. Today's episode was presented by myself, Amr Rahman. My guests were Nayuka Gauri, Heath Pickering, and Johnny Blackerley. Our production team was Royce Akers, Andrew Kavanagh, Katie Roberts, Anu Haspold, Greg Cooper, Madison Connaughton, Laura Appelt, Ben Helweg, Alex Watkins, Heath Armstrong, May Tussler, Ahmed Yusuf, and Jamie Snyder. We're going to be doing three of these, so you can listen in again next week. We're going to have three brand new guests. You can follow us on SoundCloud. You can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And you can also catch some video highlights on Vice.com.